Tonight I'd like to talk about a subject that it could be a little overwhelming, but I'm going to try to keep it extremely basic. And um, I hope I'm not too loud, but I do, I do hear myself well, which is very nice. <laughs> Sounds good. Amber can hear. So that's all that we care is that Amber is hearing the word and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So Amber's faith is increasing. Amen. I want to talk about the subject of dominion with the identification of Jesus and man. Too many times growing up, I've been to many churches. I've, you know, um, I've kind of experimented churches, taste-tested churches as a pastor's son, uh, church hop, mainly to go find girls. There was no other motive. I was not that, I mean, not that it wasn't spiritual, but I was in church all the time. So people were like, oh, come to my church. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to see what kind of females are there because I could care less what your pastor's saying. I'm in church every week, three times a week. But the more I would visit other churches, I would realize that there was preaching going on, that it was talking about how good Jesus is and good God is, which I agree. And um, that Jesus on the cross died for sin, took your sin, took your place, that you had to die with Jesus. Now, they didn't really preach a lot of, the, um, of you dying with Jesus, but it was mainly coming from a standpoint of, if you're struggling in life, look to Jesus. Look to him. He can help you. And I agree with that. To me, though, it stops. With them, it stops right there. Look to Jesus. And it leaves you in a position of what? Basically, you're a very low human being. You have nothing. Do your best. Look to Jesus. Put your faith in him. And pray to God you make it through the week. We'll see you next week and come back and we'll look to Jesus again next Sunday. And um, after a while, I kind of was sitting in some of these churches going, well, we talk a lot about how good Jesus is, but what is the point of us? Why are we here? Were we just what Adam did? Yes, Adam died. All men died, Romans chapter 5. All men had sinned because of what happened to Adam. And so, but it made it seem like that we were on a constant hamster wheel that we could never be anything better than what, you know, we're going to do our best on this earth. We hopefully we can get by. Sometimes Jesus, you know, he shows up and his presence shows up. Sometimes he does not. And um, they didn't really know why it, it worked that way. But the more I've thought about why did Jesus really come? What is the purpose of man? And the more you dig deeper, I've come up with a title called Identical Dominion. And we'll get into that. But I want to go to Genesis 1, chapter 26. And the purpose of man, the purpose of why Jesus came, because he was God, he was already, he already had all the glory of God. Why did he strip himself of every right and privilege to come down and to be a man with us? Which means there's something else going on. God has another purpose for man. God thinks really highly of man when he takes himself, crucifies himself on a cross, that he'll, Jesus himself, his son, will forever now be a human and God at the same time. He could never change now for eternity. You take, the, someone pays, if, if you go to an auction and, and the, you know, people are bidding on a piece of artwork and let's say they're bidding on it 100,000, a million, and you got somebody that bids like $26 trillion on it and they overpay for it, and you would think, why is this person overpaying for this thing? Or just for just, you know, a crazy price. There has to be something in that that's valuable to them. So God taking Jesus, who did, God was not working on Jesus at the cross. He was not working on him. Jesus was already God. Who was he working on? He was working on us. 
And there was a purpose for Jesus to come. It wasn't that just Jesus was, hey, look at me, I'm the savior of the world. Look at me and then you go to heaven when you die and let's all go get some real estate and we're all gonna hold on and, and, and you know, Satan's got the earth and it's going to hell in a handbasket and you know, we're gonna do our best. But no, there was another purpose that Jesus came. 126 says this, God said, let us make man in our image. What is an image? It's a reflection. You ever looked in a mirror and you saw your image? What if my dad said, he, it, like think about yourself standing in front of a mirror and saying, I'm going to make somebody else in my image. Looks exactly like me. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I'm going to read it in another translation, message translation. God spoke, let us make human, human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, what? The God nature. So they can be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds of the air and the cattle. I'm going to read it in one more translation, the Amplified, because I like how the Amplified says it. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea. No, that's not what it was. I think in the Amplified, do you have it on the Amplified? Okay, here it is. God said, let us, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority. Authority is the same word as dominion. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the tame beast, over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. And so God is saying... Let's make, now the angels were made, it says, that they served a purpose for God. They were servants of God, ministering spirits that would be flames of fire. But an angel is not made in God's exact likeness of who he is. God's saying, I want to take myself and I want to build a family and I want to duplicate who I am. My exact character, the way I think, my traits, the glory of who I am. Everything that I am is God. I want to take it and make someone just like me, which is powerful to think about, that God in heaven wants to duplicate himself. And he does that, but he has to give man a free will because God, he's got to make himself like God. So he has to give himself that, knowing what would happen. And so that obviously presents a problem that we have. It says, and I'm going to write Romans 5, 12, it says, as sin came into the world, and death is the result of sin, death spread to all men, no one being able to stop or to escape its power because all men sinned. 1 Corinthians 15, 21, the creation that God had made was clean and filled with life. Now that sin had entered the world, all men were filled with the nature of sin. Man is in no longer fellowship with God. Death happened to all people because what Adam did, one man. But the rising from death also happened because of one man, Christ. For just as all died the spiritual death in common with Adam, so all will return to spiritual life in common with Jesus Christ. That's the death translation. So what happened is, is that the Bible says that let us make, um, it says that, 
everything will reproduce after its own kind. And so what happened when the change, when Adam willfully chose, it says that Eve was deceived, but it says that Adam had willfully chosen the fruit. So he knew what he was doing. And then obviously Satan came and said, you'll be like God. And we know in this church that they were already made like God. He said, let's make man in our image. So Satan comes and says, you'll be like God. What did God say a few verses before that? You will already be like me in my image. Did Adam not understand and know that? Well, Satan had came in and obviously Satan was very good at what he did and deceived Eve. But it says that Adam had taken willfully the fruit and he knew what he was doing. But the Bible says we'll make every seed of the earth and they'll all reproduce after its own kind later in Genesis. So what happens? Once Adam sinned, the sin seed will reproduce after its own kind. That is why Jesus had to come being born of a virgin, Mary, and her, his, her father being, or Jesus' father being God, so the seed was pure. Through, through Mary, a virgin, she was human. He was God. She was fallen in sin nature. He was not fallen in sin nature. He was God who was uh, holy, pure. But he found Mary who was, a, was in the made in the image of man had a son bypassing what? The sin nature that Adam, the line that Adam had created. And Jesus' father was God. So the man's seed, the DNA of his father produced him Jesus in the earth. But now he's stripped of all deity and authority. He's not in his glory, but he still has what? The nature and the likeness of his dad, Father God. Now he is not only God in spirit, but he's human in flesh. And he comes along and lives as, men, as a man, but he lives as a man and God at the same exact time. Obviously dying a death. And then the Bible says, once you were crucified with Christ, so then he put, when he died and God it was satisfied. God put every man into Jesus and he satisfied the whole problem of sin, eradicated it, bringing what? Man and God back in right fellowship. But it's a choice by faith that you have to receive that. So Jesus had to, so to legally, he had to bypass the sinful nature. He had to legally defeat him, which was how he got through Mary. No Christian will experience the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ until he recognizes that the enemy or Satan is a completely vanquished foe, completely defeated. These are um, quotes that I'm reading from Jim Hockaday's book on identification. I've been studying identification because I asked him, he had 10 years of, with Brother Hagen, and I asked him, I said, what makes you preach the way you do and have so much authority and dominion and healing and miracles. He said, study the in him realities. Study your identification with Jesus. See yourself as the body of Jesus. See yourself as, as Jesus is seated at the right hand of God as a human being. So now there's a human in heaven. But what Bible says that he put you into Christ and you are seated with Jesus in the same position as Jesus. The more you focus on that seat of authority, where you sit with Jesus in heaven as a believer, then you will begin to walk, talk, think differently, and you'll actually begin to uh, step out and to do what Jesus did. Jesus was not, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was he was demonstrating, that's why he told the disciples in Mark chapter 6, he said, now you go, I've given you authority, you go, cast out demons, heal the sick, 
raise the dead freely that you have received, freely give it away. So then Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, is now transitioning the authority that he has to the disciples, not even born again yet. He's handing them authority before the resurrection of the cross, before John chapter 17, and telling them, now you go, do what I'm doing. I give you authority. I give you dominion. I give you power. Take it. Go do something with it. And the disciples left. And they said, man, we've been given power and authority. So they start praying for people. They start. And so I love something that um, uh, Billy Epperhart says. They said, man, God, he was talking about his garden one time. And a man showed up to his house and said, man, God really made that garden beautiful. And he said, you should have seen it when God had it by himself. himself. (laughs) Why? Because God is a co-laborer. God, the father did some worked with Jesus. He said, I don't do anything, but yet I see my father do it. And so God had to get Jesus in the earth. Why? So he could work with mankind in the earth. He had to, he had to get back where he could work and have dominion with man and oneness with man. So there is a co-laborer that has to happen with you and Jesus at the same time. Let's see. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 8. Instead, we continually speak of the wonderful wisdom that comes from God. It was hidden now in a mystery. It is a secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it. For if they had, they would have never crucified the Lord of shining glory. God's secret wisdom and his plan brought the sun into earth, disguised in an earth suit, Living as a man through his death, buried in resurrection, Jesus would make provision for the whole world to experience a new birth. All this began through the new birth. Jesus was born, let's see, um, the heart of Jesus was pure, the heart of God, not since the beginning of all things with Adam, there had not been a man filled with the nature of God, the eternal nature, enabling him Why he was in the form of man to represent the Father in this world. So now Jesus is here, born with the nature of God, and born um, not, not from the nature of Adam, but now he is filled with the eternal nature of God, enabling him, but as a man, representing what? God in the world. So Philippians 2.5. It says, your attitude should be the same that is in Christ Jesus, who the very nature of God, so he's carrying God's nature, did not consider it equality with God. Uh, with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taken on the nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of a man. He's in the appearance of a man, but he has what? The nature of God in him, flowing through him. The God of eternity is flowing through him. The God of heaven in him. What do you have in you now? The God of heaven, the God of eternities. His nature is in you, working in you. But you do have an earth suit or a body that we all live in at this very moment. But your spirit, man, if you had received Jesus as Lord, now you have the very divine nature of the Father in you, working in you. So I was reading something today from a friend of mine, and I don't disagree with the statement, but he said, I'll drive any length of distance to be under the anointing. And he obviously had traveled a far, you know, long ways to go to a meeting. I enjoy being in meetings where the anointing is where the Lord has called me with people. 
But at some point, you have people constantly chasing, acting like that they are some redheaded stepchild to God, trying to get something from God when God has already blessed them with every spiritual blessing. The same anointing that Jesus has, they have it. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. So the same power that was in the cross is in you now. Raise Jesus from the dead. Mark Hankins says there's enough, there's more power in that than an atom bomb that could melt an entire city. There's more power in the resurrection than any kind of bomb that the, that the earth could ever build up or make. There's more power in what happened on the cross, death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and yet people are still running to meetings going, I need the power. The power is in you. The reason people don't experience it is because they don't meditate and dwell on that kind of power. The power of the gospel of of salvation. There's different, if you find, go find every word that talks about power, make a list of it. And so it seems that people still view themselves in a lowly state. That we're still trying to, like pastor says, grab Jesus' garment instead of the Jesus in us, dwelling in us, the nature of God, moving, thinking. So it says we are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if the body has the same name as the head has, but the more that people put their faith in something that, um, or I have to get to another meeting, I love being in meetings because it recharges me. And the Bible says, I mean, Pastor Mark says this, there is some assembly required. It says that they gather daily at the temple. They gather daily in the houses and they spread the news of Jesus. I read in um, uh, what was his name's uh, Teal Osborne's book that in Jerusalem they had spread the spread the whole message of Jesus within 24 months to the whole Jerusalem, daily ministering in the temple, daily with the saints in the houses, telling one, um, house to house about Jesus and the resurrection on the cross. And no, no Facebook, no social media, no cameras, no television. Within 24 months, they said it was not only Jerusalem, but like Asia Minor and all the surrounding areas within 24 months had heard about Jesus, which is powerful how quick that message had spread. But they had a revelation, and I agree that you need to, uh, there's times that we gather, we hear, we come together. The Bible says, do not forsake the assemblings of yourself in Hebrews, as some have a habit of doing but you should gather more often as you see that day approaching. So I'm not disregarding that. I agree with that. It is, a, it is like walking into a service and getting your Tesla battery charged without the cold weather draining it. You don't know what I mean? But better than a Tesla battery, your spirit man charged up, being plugged in. There's times that you need that. And so I'm not disregarding, but there is a problem with the mentality that someone as a Christian is always trying to get more from God. More anointing from him. And it's, well, what did, what, so you're saying that what Jesus did on the cross was not enough? That he needs to do more? Does he, do we need to crucify him again? Because you didn't get enough from him? Or did he do the work and complete it and sit down and blessed you with it? So verse five declares that our attitude should be the same as Jesus. You could say it more importantly like this, to think like Jesus or to see oneself as he sees himself. This is Jim Hockaday saying this. Have the same attitude that is in Christ Jesus. You being the very nature, who being the very nature of God. It says you should have the same attitude. You should think the same way that Jesus thinks. And this is in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. 
And so it's important that we think like Jesus, to see ourselves like he sees himself. While his nature and his essence of his being was God, he took on flesh, became a man. This in part had much to do with his humility. He was perfect in spirit. No other man could say this. At the same time, he was man in the flesh, but he was God in spirit. Traditionally, we look at verse 7 to see that Jesus in his humility was made a servant. This has fed our insecurities thinking through the ages as Christians have accepted our miserable fate that we as humans are doomed to lowliness. If you were to consider that when God made man, he did so in his image and his likeness, it would be difficult to conclude that humanity is equal to lowliness. Yeah, so if God made man in his likeness, why would a man be considered low? But he's talking about a servant. People think as a servant, you know, as you're a low, you're serving, you're under other people doing kind of the dirty work, washing people's feet, whatever, cleaning the floors. After all, even now, there is a human or man seated at the right hand of God, and his name is Jesus. We've accepted such a low view of humanity over the years that we tend to gravitate towards the worst possible thought. This is something that Jesus did not do. Jesus did not apologize for being a human. At no time did he leave his impression that because he was a human, he could not express the reality of his own father, his father God. Paul said in Hebrews 1.3 that Jesus was the divine expression of God in the flesh. So Jesus never apologized for being a human being. He never said, I know, I I'm, came I'm down here, I'm a human now, I don't have as much power as I once did, but just, just bear with me. He never said a word about him. He never even complained about him being human. He never even said, I've left everything for you guys, you, you lowly bunch of humans. Now I'm not God anymore. I've, I've walked away from all the glory I had to come pull you guys out of a mess. He didn't say that. He never even talked about his humanity. Didn't even consider it. Amen. Says that he was the divine expression of God in the flesh. Yes. In John 14, 11, Jesus says that you can get an accurate image of the Father by looking closely at him. If you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Jesus leads us to believe that in his humanity did not impair or hinder his ability to reveal in full the heart and likeness of his Father. That's a powerful statement. He, the humanity held nothing back from Jesus expressing the full likeness and the full measure of the Father in the earth. And so and let this mind be in you which is in Christ, be in the form of God, and not consider it a robbery to be equal with God made himself no reputation taken in the form of a bondservant coming in the likeness of men. So he had to empty himself of his godly privileges as a man, but this did not hinder Jesus from fully representing the Father. To be equal with God simply means to represent him. To be equal with God means to replace God. Mankind can never replace God, nor would we want to. However, we can represent God. To do so explains why we are fearfully and wonderfully made. This is the reason why being a servant makes so much sin. If your concept of servanthood is to live life without any authority, you're basically dead wrong. From perspective of Jesus, he was serving others. Why? Because he actually had something to give somebody. A servant is a giver or someone who is serving, waiting on someone or helping somebody. Why? You serve somebody when you have something inside that you can serve them with. So Jesus actually came and served man with what? what he had, the likeness of his father. That's amazing that God, being who he was, that's why Christianity is different from all other religions. Every other religion is you going and serving that, that God and that maybe one day you'll do good enough or do enough good deeds or fast enough or pray enough 
or live, you know, in the bottom of a monastery long enough, holy, or, or whatever. But God came to us, came and lived like us, and served us, and showed us how his nature was, who he was. And so no other religion can say that but a Christian. And then, then no other religion can say that their God not only came as a man died, but then he was rose again, born again. God accepted him. The mind of Jesus understood. Oh, when you understand that this represents, that as a representative, you have the ability to the one you represent, you will release this ability to others. The mind of Jesus understood that who he was and what he had come to earth to do. Yes, he was human, and this was positive. No, he didn't have the full potential and glory that he had before he came. However, the divine body of Jesus was more than enough to express God to the earth. Jesus did have complete access to an unlimited supply of whatever he needed to accomplish his mission. As a result, Jesus went about doing good, healing all those that were in need. Our attitude in life should be one of servanthood, learning how to appreciate and honor others above ourselves as a result of our position in Christ. But we have the privilege, as Jesus did, in serving and loving others with the same ability of God. And so your attitude of we honor those above us, like I have a pastor, I honor him, but I still understand my thoughts and privileges in Christ. I still understand the nature of God is in me. The life of God is in me. The power of God, the same power that was in the resurrection is now living in me. But I still honor and submit like Jesus says, I don't do anything, but yet I see my father do. So there's still a submission to an authority. You're just not, you know, a rogue Jesus running around in the earth doing whatever that you want. Jesus was never even like that. So there is submission in the Bible, and that's what he's talking about. That he, and dad's taught on this. You cannot have power without submission. If you're, Jesus was very submitted, only what I see my father do, that is what I'm doing. And yet it says into the word that you have the fivefold ministry, pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists for the, for the equipping of the saints. And so to someone who says they don't have a pastor and yet they want to walk in power, it's not possible because even Jesus was submitted to, to somebody, his own father. And so we are in submission to people above us, but even for them, it's not an abuse of power. They're the overseer of your souls. They're watching and praying over you. They're giving you the word. They're teaching you. Jesus was humble. This means first he was respectful of the heart of the desire of the one he was submitted to. He came to do the will of his father. Second, it means he was willing to see the needs of others as a service that he had came to fulfill. Talking about humanity, that his love for humanity, he was coming to fulfill. Now we're going to get into identification. This is where it gets fun. Identification encompasses the secret of our victory and boldness. Identification means to be identical in the same condition to make one in the same Every equal respect to consider as one in the sameness, having the same source. As you can see, you would need, need at least two people or things involved for identification to work. Romans 5, 12, 15, and 19 show us that two men represented and affected the entire human race. Let me read that again. Identification with Christ means to treat identical. Identical in his death. Identical in his Burial, identical in his resurrection, identical in his seating at the right hand of God. So how are you less, any less powerful than Jesus right now sitting at the right hand of Father? The same power and authority. Amen. And, he, and it says that Jesus went about the villages. It says that he could do no 
work in his own hometown, except that he laid his hands on a few sickly with minor ailments. So he went about the villages teaching. And this is what Jesus did. So there's no difference in you and Jesus if you're identical. Jesus did not come down here, like I said earlier, to work on himself. God did not send Jesus because I got to clean Jesus up. I got to straighten him out. No, he came so that he could put you into Jesus and resurrect you and then hand you the same identical power, same identical authority, same healing power. So when we're walking around, it is actually a disservice to think about yourself lower than how God thinks about you. Imagine having... um, you know, me walking around going, I'm not my father's son. I'm so weak. I'm so pitiful. As a Morgan, I, you know, I have no money. I'm broke. You know, just how would that look to him? My, it, one of my sons walking around just complaining and crying and bawling and squalling all the time. He'd say, you're a Morgan. You shut your mouth and straighten up. You know, <laughs> you're a man of God. But imagine God thinking, looking at us going, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm sick. I don't feel well. And he took, and all that, what he did for with Jesus on the cross and getting all the way from Genesis to, to Matthew, just to get Jesus into the earth and cut a covenant with Abraham, born of a virgin. And then he had to crucify him, raise him from the dead. And then you're over there going, I'm just a poor old worm. After, I mean, imagine that you work, you did all this work for your son. I mean, that you went out and you, I mean, spent 20, 30, 40 years working and you made all this money and you buy him a mansion and you buy him Ferraris and Lamborghinis and you buy him all this stuff. You pay for all his school and then he, he does not want the house and he goes, I'm just a poor old Morgan. I just, I don't have nothing. And you're thinking, what did I do for the last 30, 40 years for you? And you're saying you have nothing. That's what I believe it's like when you say to God, I'm just a poor old Christian on this earth. After all that work that he did in Jesus, and you're walking around with your head down and defeated. Same identical life, same identical righteousness, same identical faith that Jesus had, same power that Jesus had, same healing and anointing, same anointing Jesus had. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to heal the sick. That is a... That is a disgrace to the Lord. Amen. All that work, and you just go, oh, nothing. Uh. That's right. That's right. Being made in his, his same image, his same class, his same likeness. Yeah, yeah. God making an own, his own race, and they're walking around going, uh. That's exactly right. Imagine, like, watching the Thor movie, and Thor just, I mean, there was, you remember when Thor, when he was, like, yes. drunk, and he had a big beer belly, and they found him somewhere, exactly. you know, <laughs> Sad that he was out off this coast somewhere. I mean, you're thinking it, whatever, he, he came from, I don't know who his dad was, but he came from the line of gods. Zeus. Zeus. Yeah, and so, and then he's over there with a big old beer gut, sitting in the old shack, you know, drinking and eating himself to death. And you're thinking, in the movie, you're like, he's the son of Zeus. I mean, all that power he had in the last three movies, and now he's acting this way? But that's how God sees you. I mean, you want to reach to the movie and slap him. You're like, you know how much power you carry right now? But the God sees you the same way. Same life, same nature, same righteousness, same faith in you that was in Jesus. Did all that work, put it in you. Now you're walking around going, I'm sick. <laughs> Amen. 
Therefore, sin came into the world. This is verse 12. Through one man, death, result of sin, death spread to all men, not being able to stop it or escape its power because all men sin. For if by one man's trespass, Adam, he lapped an offense, death reigned through that one. Much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Identification is being one and the same. Then all creation first and foremost has identified with Adam and his sin. Therefore, it was necessary for Jesus to come to the earth. Through his perfection, he fulfilled all the legal demands against us. That's, like I said, he did a lot of work. He redeemed man. Now it, is, now it is God that all men identify themselves with Jesus and his resurrection. Yeah. There is something that we must grasp to understand identification. We need to know that Jesus became totally one with fallen man. And the new creation man now becomes totally one with Jesus. So if Jesus became totally one with man's fallen sinful nature, so that what? You could be totally one with a resurrected nature of Jesus Christ. I'm going to skip through this because I don't know how much time we have. I do, I do know how much time we have. Identification with Adam. Adam's sin extended to the whole human race. Adam was made unrighteous, unholy. You were born under Adam's inheritance. You were born under Satan's dominion. Identification, uh, death passed to all men. No one could escape it. Identification with Christ. Jesus reversed and uh, Jesus Christ reversed in born-again man what Satan had done through Adam. Jesus made all born-again men righteous. Jesus imparted to born-again man his nature, the divine life in the, that the Father had. Jesus made us to have sonship with the Father. Jesus delivered us from Satan's dominion. All that work that Jesus did and the way that we view ourselves so low is that we're just trying to, most churches, if you just look to Jesus... Well, look to Jesus to see who you are. Look to Jesus to see how you're supposed to act. Look to Jesus to see how you're supposed to talk, how you're supposed to pray for people. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how you're supposed to go about healing people in the cities and villages, all that are oppressed by the devil. For God was with them. Well, who's God with now? So Jesus got senior Holy Ghost and you got junior Holy Ghost. Same spirit raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now living in you, working in you, quickening your mortal body. But now you got, no, you got a small Holy Ghost. Jesus got senior Holy Spirit. Same spirit. Same, same, big, big, same Holy Ghost that hovered over the earth. And it says that he was hovering over creation, over the deep. And then when God spoke, the Holy Spirit jumped in the middle of it and created it. The same spirit. No, no, you got junior Holy Ghost. So when you pray for somebody, we don't know if it's going to happen. Father, we thank you. Junior Holy Spirit, get in her right now. Help her out. But that's how we act. But that's not faith in what he did. Colossians 2.14. God crossed out the whole debt against us in his account books. He no longer counted the laws that we had broken. He nailed the account book to the cross, and he closed the account. That is a... He, the, no longer he counted the laws that we had broken, nailing them, the account book to the cross, and he closed the account. That account is forever gone. Your past is forever gone. Every sin that you will commit, is un, it's under the blood. Now, you don't want to run around in sin because you're going to produce a guilty consciousness and you're going to make life hell for you here on earth and Satan is going to beat your brains out. 
because you're going to walk around as a son of God, but would not knowing your rights and privileges in Christ, opening the door to the devil, but all that's been under the blood. The more you realize your position with Jesus, sin will have no dominion over you. No, that doesn't have dominion over me. I don't think that way. I'm a king and a priest of God. I don't have to act that way. I don't have to let this control me. Lust, anger, whatever it is, greed. I don't have to let lying doesn't control me. That's under me. That's way under me. I'm a king to God. I don't act that way. I don't, you don't, Satan, you no longer have dominion over me. That is the whole purpose of Jesus was to take dominion back from Satan that Satan would no longer have control over mankind. That's why Satan wanted it so bad. He's an angel. He's not going to have that dominion. He could never have that. That's why he wanted it so bad. When he tried to get it, it didn't work the way that he thought it was going to work because God never made it for him. It was never made for the angels. It was made for man. He was made in what? God's likeness. Satan was not made in God's likeness. He tried to take Adam's authority and use it. Did not work the way that he thought it was going to work. So that's why he has to get, even with Cain, he said, he said um, you can take dominion over sin and do not let it rule you. Yes. He says sin lies at the door. It wants you, but do not let it rule you. Cain still had a choice whether he would take dominion over sin or not, even as a fallen man. So Satan still couldn't, if he would have, he would, Satan would have just killed Cain with all that dominion and a power and authority. But it didn't work for Satan the way that he thought it was going to work. God made Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, one with the sinfulness of men. Jesus took our sin and became one with it so he could identify himself with fallen men. Even though Jesus had never sinned, Jesus willfully paid the penalty of the nature of sin, which was death. We all know that, uh, skip that one. Jesus died and went to hell to pay the penalty of sin. He went there having become one with the sin nature of sinful man in order to restore man. He had to taste death and suffer the affliction of sin. Jesus entered hell as a victim and he exited hell as the eternal champion. Man's defeated death, hell and the grave. 2.14 says this, for only as human beings could die and die and break the power of the devil. As we discuss, you can clearly see how Jesus identified with fallen man. Next, we will see how man identifies with the victorious risen Christ. So when Jesus was raised from the the dead victorious, you were raised from the dead victorious. You were hell's victim. Now, you've come out of hell with the same power of the Holy Spirit as the victor. Translation says, in view of the fact that you died with Christ here in this word, is used as a preposition. When used this way, the word with means two or more persons or things are together. It also means because of, at time, as completely as counted with or into. So using this definition, you could say we died at the same time Christ. We died as completely as Christ, or we died counted with Christ. Romans 6, verses 8. You share it in Christ's death. The old man is gone, dead and buried. There's nothing left of him. You are no longer in connection with that old man. You are now connected to God. Thank God Jesus did not stay dead, and neither did we. We identified with him in his death, so we also get to identify with him in his victory over Satan in the resurrection. That is a powerful, the more that you think about that, that your death with Christ means also you get to enjoy the same privileges of the resurrection of Christ. It says that treating them as one as Christ or together dying the same death to people, that you died with Christ. So... um, I'm going to skip that one. The restoration of this dominion, it says Jesus walked in absolute dominion. 
translated from spiritual death to life, the 13 says, in giving, him, giving life to him, he gave life to you. When you lay dead in your sins, it was at this point that all hell trembled. The great power of God made Jesus alive, filled him with the glory of eternities. Right here, Jesus was made the eternal authority of heaven and earth. Satan, evil spirits, demons, and principalities, powers, and hell itself were no match for Christ of God. Hebrews 2.14 says that Jesus dethroned the Lord of death, the devil. The way he did this describes in Colossians 2.15 And then having drawn the sting of all powers raged against us, he exposed them, shattered, emptied, defeated in his final glorious triumphant act. That is in Colossians 2.15. That is the Phillips translation. I'm reading, he has some of these different translations in this book. And I've ordered a bunch of them um, to get them in because I read through the whole book and it was phenomenal. It's called Identity Crisis by Jim Hockaday. And then I gave it to Mary Fran the other day. I said, you should read this book. She's like, I love Jim Hockaday. So it says that having drawn the sting of all powers raged against us, he exposed them. He shattered, emptied, defeated in his final triumphant glorious act. Carpenter translation. Having frisked the top brass the top brass and power boys. He made them prisoners of war, publicly exposed them. One translation says, he stripped away like a cast off garment, every demonic rule and authority and made a public exhibition of them. Jesus so thoroughly defeated Satan and all of hell that there was an absolutely no fear that they will ever hinder man or the plan of God. Jesus so defeated Satan that Satan can absolutely have no power to stop you from the will of God and the destiny of God for your life. The problem is, is people believe that the devil's always after them. That's how fear works, is the more you think about fear. When I was with Jim Hockaday, we were talking, and he was talking about considering Jesus. Think about Jesus. He says when people come up here for healing, they're thinking more about the pain in their body. Right now, if you're thinking about the pain in your body, that's what's real and big to you. But if right now, if you're thinking about Jesus, Christ the healer, you're being healed right now. The power of God is flowing through you right now. If you're thinking about Jesus and how big he is, that he is healer, that he died on a cross, and that God put you into Jesus, the same power, the same anointing that's in Jesus is in you now. Your body will be in recovering. Why? Because you're beginning to think different. Your faith will be be tied to what I'm saying. Faith comes by hearing. But if you're... When people are up here, he says they're more considerate of how their body feels than they are of Jesus. People stay in poverty because daily they think more about the, the bills and the things they need more than they're thinking about Jesus who became sick, who became sin, who became poor so that they could become rich. The more you consider Jesus, and I, I agree with those churches when you think about Jesus, but don't stay there. You consider him because that's you. You're looking at who you are. Remember who you are. Um, Not Mufasa. um, Simba. Simba, remember who you are. That's what he he had been hanging out with a bunch of the Timon and Pumbaa and singing the Kuna Matata and eating bugs. And he doesn't eat bugs. Remember who you are. You are God's son made in the image and likeness of Jesus. So Satan has been so defeated if anyone is in Christ, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Identification is the finished work. 
only did Jesus identify with our sinfulness, we identify with his righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.17. In the translator's translation says, if a man is in Christ, he, there is a new act of creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Stanley translation says, if anyone has entered into fellowship with Christ, a new world has once opened unto him, and the old world has passed away. A new world has opened to you. You need to get up in the morning and think a new world is open. Say it. Say a new world is open to me today. The old world has gone and passed away. There's a new world of heaven moving throughout this earth right now, throughout your life. But you got to have faith and see that. It says that if anyone has entered into fellowship with Jesus, which you, union, new world has opened to him. The old world has passed away. Isaac translation says to be Christ man, you see, is to be a creature of the new order. Sounds like something from Star Wars, the new order. But it says if you're in fellowship with Jesus, you're a creature of the new order, the new kingdom of God, the new thing. So there shouldn't be struggling. There shouldn't be all this that's happening to people today. You should see yourself with a complete new identity. Ephesians 2.15, Amplified. By abolishing his own crucified flesh, the enmity caused by the law and his decrees and ordinances which he annulled, that he from the two might create himself one new man. He's taking two people, fallen man and himself. He's doing what? Creating one new person. One new quality of humanity out of the two, thus making peace. This is, in, um, this is the Amplified Translation. He's taking two men, creating one new quality of humanity. Thus, with the two, he's making peace. You and Jesus are one person right now. You have to be conscious of that throughout the day. Yesterday, we were walking with Dr. Varallo, and I noted that she's fallen, and she's had some stuff going on, but she is recovering very fast. And I felt like, in the moment we were walking and, and something, she said something about her knee, we stopped immediately in front of even around all the nurses. And I said, well, let's pray over the knee. And I remember when Brother Hagen was praying with Jim Hockaday, he said this. As soon as Jim Hockaday says, as soon as he said, I release the healing anointing into you, he said, I could feel the power flow from Brother Hagen's hands. Why Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord has what anointed me to heal the sick. It is the anointing that does the work. And so, I think that's Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to heal the sick. And so, I prayed over her. I said, let the anointing flow through you right now into your knees. And, I mean, yesterday before we left, Mary Fran's just walking around. She still had her neck brace on. Today, the neck brace came off. And, I mean, she's recovered so fast that, that she's getting ready to go back out on the road preaching again. And nobody in there knows who she is. We finally told one lady who she was, and the lady was freaking out. And, um, but... She said, notice how you stopped and you were not conscious of the people around you, but you were more conscious of Jesus in you. Yeah. I said, but that's how I think I'm conscious of him. If the Lord says, pray for this person right now, pray for him. They let the anointing flow through them, flow through their arms in Jesus' name, flowing through them. Why? I don't care what people think. I'm more conscious of him. I'm one new quality of humanity out of the two, thus making peace that the two might become one. So you should be so conscious of Jesus in you that you are the one walking around saying, what do you need prayer for? Let me lay hands on you and pray for you. Why are you always chasing the anointing around? You have the anointing. You are one with Jesus. One person, one in new in quality. 
you have peace with God. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not wrong to get in those things. Those have helped me. Every time I've gone to Marks and got touched by the anointing, but then I go out and take what I've gotten and use it. It's for service. It's for, to, like you said, to be a servant, to give. I have the anointing. I'm to give it away, to see myself as Jesus' hands and his feet and his body. But I'm not going from service to service looking for another healing. Why? I was healed the day that, like, so Mary Fran and I were talking, the day that we were, we were in the, um, at the restaurant and her arm was hurting. I prayed for it. And that night, she said, actually, the symptoms went away immediately. Later on that night, she said they came back and she said, no. When Jesus and Brother Justin prayed for me, they're one person, that's when the pain left. And she says, that's when I was healed. You don't have any right. Get off. It's settled and it's done. And she said the pain went away and she went back to sleep. That's how you have to see yourself. Let's see. This new quality of humanity, the Amplified Translation of Ephesians 2.15 mentions, it is a spiritual condition of a man's heart completely transformed by the life and the nature of God. At the moment of man's conversion, eternal life destroys the nature of sin and creates in him a divine nature, just like God himself. Eternal life is in us, just as pure and as holy as God is. Eternal life is not to be overemphasized as just making it to heaven. It is heaven coming to live in us. Eternal life is life in the absolute sense. It is the very life and the nature of God himself. It is every bit of powerful as it was in God. 1 John 1.3 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Acts 3.16 calls Jesus the prince of life, the author of life. Jesus made it quite clear that this was the reason for his coming. John 10.10 says, I've come that you might have this life, and you might have it more abundantly. So it is life in the absolute. It is every bit as, as powerful as it was in him. That same life is in you. is just as powerful as it was in Jesus. The life and nature of God is what made Jesus different than any other man alive. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it was by the glory of the Father. He was made alive in the Spirit. This is eternal life that raised him. This is eternal life that makes us new creatures. God's nature and everything that it can do is now the greatest part of us. We are, by nature, divine children of the one and the great almighty God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So everything that that it says that that life can do now, we can do the same thing. John 3.3, Carpenter's translation. I want to make it clear that no one can be a member of God's family unless he is fathered from above. In Wade translation, it says that unless a man is begotten from above, he he cannot experience the dominion of God. God of the new birth, man is made in the image and likeness of God again. Now God is his father. Dominion is now restored to man in whom it was originally given. It is the life and nature which God represents, divine authority. God has a family, and man has an assignment to share these truths with the world so the family can grow. The life of a new believer is now perfectly authoritative as God himself. We have nothing to be ashamed of or condemned about ever again. Sin can no longer hold us captive. Every work of Satan has been made of no effect through the triumph of our Lord Jesus Christ. All the dominion comes to us as a result of the interchange that took place at the point of justification, which is on the cross. Ephesians 2.5 says he gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life which he quickened in him. All limits are removed. In Jesus, there is no limit, which means what? There is no limit in you. We can literally do all things through Christ who gives us strength. The spirit world is at our beck 
and call. God has made it that way from the born-again man, complete authority on earth to fulfill God's plan, a plan that includes man everywhere. Have you ever wondered why the Bible is so optimistic about you and your future? Have you ever questioned the absoluteness of Scripture that sounds too good to be true? For instance, the Scripture quoted earlier, that we are more than conquerors, or 2 Corinthians 2.14, he always leads us into the triumph of Christ. And Paul tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthen us, and that we are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He is encouraging us to assume our position in the finished work of Christ. We will never again have to strive for victory. We own the victory. It came through our salvation. Might I add, through a very great price. The last thing, death, hell, and the grave, as though his word defeated by the defeated the, as, as though we defeated the devil ourselves. Satan is no a threat. He is a defeated foe. He is an eternal loser. We are seated with Christ where we govern the eternities, the sons of God. The spirit realm is the place where we have the privilege of exercising our authority. God made us co-laborers in the spirit world. This is where our seat of authority is. We are not struggling in the earth to gain success. We already have every spiritual blessing in the heavens. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for effective success. We joyfully enforce here in earth what is already established fact in the eternities. Our victory is real. Amen. I love it how he says that all limits are taken off of us now. There is no limit on Jesus and what he could do. There's no limit now on us. The more you see yourself that way, the more you're going to act differently the more you're gonna pray for people differently, the more you're gonna talk differently about your day. The more I've been studying who I am as Jesus' brother, Jesus seated at the right hand of God, God putting me into Jesus, making one person, having peace with God, we are one person now, walking the earth, I've started to act and think and talk differently now. Why, because how would Jesus act? How would he talk about the situation that you're dealing with? So I started to do an experiment with my little red car. I said, I'm just going to talk to it like Jesus did. And so I began to talk to it. And, you know, I was going to scrap it and just throw it away. And then people were going to like, oh, I'll give you 400 bucks for it. I said, ah, let's just try something with this. The Bible says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe No. You say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say you shall have. You'll have whatsoever things you say. I said that really fast. But it's Mark chapter 11. So Jesus is saying you can have the words that you say. Why? Jesus had the words that he said. And so I walked out of my um, place one day and I saw the car sitting out there broken. And I said, I command you to run again. And I command an engine in you in Jesus' name. And then that's when I said 20 minutes later, I was driving and somebody from the church was behind me. And they, we were on the phone and, they, and we got to the end of the phone call and they said, what are you doing about the car? I said, I, I thought I was thinking about scrapping it, but now I'm thinking about putting an engine in it. He said, well, I want to pay for half the engine. So he paid for half of it. We got a great price at Green Star. I paid only 600 bucks for the engine. So then, I'm on the, I saw, uh, as an act of faith, I saw obviously a lot of high prices, and I got to the point where I almost had somebody to put it in, where I thought it was like 1,000 bucks was a great price. And then somebody was coming to church here, I was talking to them, they had a tow truck, and he said, don't take it to them. He said, my son can do it for way less than that. He said, and I'll come pick it up for free. So while I was in Tennessee, he just came over and picked the car up. Today I was at, talking to his son, and his son's like, oh, where do you go to church? And so his dad goes, oh, it's going to be weeks before he can get to you. Well, t- today he goes, I put it in Friday. Amen. I thought, huh, this, something's happening. Yeah. I mean, I'm, because I, I was driving, we were driving home 
last night and this morning I drove it because I could see the red car out on 441. And I said, I command that engine in you in Jesus' name. I command that engine, and every time I drive past it, just in the last, what, day or two, I command that engine in you. And so the Lord told me, stop in, go, go talk to him. So I stopped in today, and he goes, well, I was actually just going to call you and ask you some things about it and what you wanted to do with it. And so he just said, well, I can put it in Friday. So I got his phone number, talked to him, and invited him to church. I said, come to church with your dad. So I'm watching me think about dominion, authority, that if Jesus is in the earth, walking and talking, how would he act right now? If that we're going to rule and reign during the millennial reign for a thousand years, why are we not ruling and reigning now? Why is circumstances of life constantly beating us up? Why are we not speaking to things saying, you must change in Jesus' name? Jesus told them, cast your net to the other side. And they had such a great a catch that they could not contain the catch that they had. Jesus was always speaking to the tree, spoke he always was speaking. And so go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and study how Jesus was acting, how he acted towards sickness and disease, how he acted when people were sick. He wasn't freaking out. And a lot of times, when the, even with the boy, he, it says that he stood there and the boy, the demon threw the boy down, the epileptic boy, and Jesus didn't even, th- didn't even look at the demon, what he was doing. He just talked to the father and said, how long has this been happening? Jesus told people, go your way, your servant has been healed. I mean, many times he just spoke the word. But he says, I only do what I see my father do. Well, now it says that Jesus is in the father, and the father's in Jesus, and we're in the father, and we're in Jesus. So we're one with him. So, But I want us to start seeing that, that this is how I believe that the gospel of Jesus will spread throughout the entire earth. It's because people will take their dominion like in the book of Acts as seeing themselves as the body of Jesus, being one with Jesus, doing the works of Jesus, not just coming to church every Sunday and Wednesday hoping, hoping to get one more thing from God today. Just, Lord, just shine on me today. Just give me some favor today. You have all the favor of eternities in you. You just need to think about it, talk about it, activate it, read about it, confess it. Confess what you have in Christ, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, living in me, quickening my mortal body. I'm not trying to get healed. I am the healed. I am the triumph of Christ. Satan, you do not dominate me. You do not dominate my thoughts. You are a defeated foe. You are stripped of all power and authority. Get out of my house. Get off my kids in Jesus' name. Get off my money in Jesus' name. Come on. That's how Jesus talked to the devil. The devil was afraid of Jesus. But the more we think about us and our identification it means what? Treating as one and the same. Identical death of Jesus. Identical resurrection of Jesus. Identical seating with Jesus. God did not spend all that time through 2,000 years ago getting Jesus into the earth so we could live defeated. He was restoring his original creation to sonship. Let us make man after us and our likeness exactly like God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Let us make man exactly like us and let him have dominion of the earth. And that is your position. That is your place. And so Adam had messed it up, but Jesus got it back. And so the more we real, I, I got a bunch of those books coming in. I encourage people to buy them and to meditate on your identification in Christ. Because it'll change the way you, sometimes people struggle with healing. It may not be you've read all the healing scriptures. But the problem is you're still seeing yourself as a lowly human being that God would touch you. Instead of seeing yourself as one with Jesus. 
one with his righteousness, one with his divine authority, one with, his, with who he is. And so the more I believe that we study that, the revelation will kick on. It says, Brother Hagin read Mark 11, 23 for, was it 16 months? Before the scripture hit him that he could have whatever things he said. And then he rose up off the bed of sickness. 17 was a seven incurable blood diseases, no hope, destined to die. No, no doctor could help him. Off of one scripture came off the bed of sickness. But he said he read it until it, made, until it became real to him. You're going to have to read about your identification because I may have said a lot of scriptures tonight, but you can go back and listen to the message or you can buy these books when they come in about your identification, but that'll get, it'll, it's like a seed. It gets in you and then you water that seed. You water it and you water it and you water it until it becomes real to you. You say, well, I don't believe that right now. You're going to read it and speak it until you do believe it. It's taken me even sometimes years to get some of this in me of who I am in Christ of stepping out and praying for people. We did it at the restaurant the other night. I told the girl, I said, we were standing there. I said, why don't you pray for the food tonight? And she goes, me? I don't even know what I should say. I said, well, repeat, repeat the prayer after me. And I just prayed it. I don't care who's around the restaurant. I'm not conscious anymore of people. I'm more conscious of him in me reaching out to these people. And she, I led her in a prayer and she prayed over the food. And that was like the first time she's ever prayed over a meal. <laughs> probably in her life she said she doesn't know how to pray but I'm more conscious of God in me and my brother Jesus who I'm one with than I am of people around me in circumstances and problems and pain why because the unseen realm is always the the seen realm is always subject to change the unseen realm never changes that's what Hebrews the book of Hebrews talks about it's another story I'm doing that by faith on Sunday at 9 a.m. we hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.